0: Welcome to the Damn Fine TV Podcast Weekly Watch. I'm your host, Jasmine, entertainment writer and TV enthusiast. This week on the show, I'm joined by a guest to cover American Horror Story 1984 Episode 3 Slash Dance. It's still night one at Camp Redwood, and this episode has more twists than a Twizzler, a, a twisty cheese string snack, a 1960s school dance. I don't know, whatever has a lot of twists, this episode has more. I can't wait to dig into all of them. So thank you so much for joining us and let's get started. guys. Welcome back. Hope you've all had a lovely week since our last chat. Hope you've watched some good television. And uh, before I get into the segment with my special guest for American Horror Story, I'm going to start up with uh, what I've been watching on TV this week. Let's start with a real stinker called Almost Family. Uh, I believe it's a Fox show. Uh, It it gets a little confusing because it airs on CTV up here in Canada, and I can never remember what stations these things air on down in the States. Uh, But I think it's a Fox show. It seems like a Fox show. Uh, Almost Family, if you're unaware, is based on uh, all of these true stories that are coming out um, about these fertility doctors who were actually using their own specimen to um, impregnate their clients and therefore have, um, you know, maybe in some cases thousands of children around... The country, the world? I'm not sure. I I don't know if it's internationally or just nationally, but whatever. I mean, it's happened here in Canada. It's happened in the States. I'm sure it's happened elsewhere because men suck. But yeah, so this is a show based on that. And it's essentially centers around this woman who works for her father, who is a fertility doctor. He wants to call himself a scientist. He has essentially used his sperm to impregnate like thousands. I mean, maybe hundreds. They didn't really give us a number, but it seems like it's in the thousands at this point. It's disgusting. The one thing that I do appreciate about the show is that they are calling it a an assault, a sexual assault. Uh, it seems like maybe they're going to touch on the idea that this is a... A step too far is not the right word. That's not harsh enough. But it is messing with people's reproductive rights, and that's not cool. And this show is kind of trying to, like play both sides where it's like oh yeah we can we can say what it is and like say how serious it is but also look we're sisters now look I've always wanted a sister isn't that cool and it's like I don't know how often that happens and of course it's tv so part of it's going to be fictionalized and whatever but it's I don't know it's kind of gross also the writing was not great the acting was not great there is this woman who is like one of the doctor's you know, children, she finds out. Uh, She all of a sudden decides that she is either bisexual, pansexual, a lesbian, whatever. She's not hetero is the point. And she goes and kisses a woman all of a sudden. Like she just figured it out earlier that day, it seems, as as far as the, the poor writing in this show goes. And then all of a sudden, like an hour later, she is openly kissing a woman in a bar. Now, ooh, coming from somebody who came out later in life... Uh, I don't think that happens. Uh, it's not my experience. Maybe it's somebody else's experience. I don't want to take that away from somebody if that is their experience, but it seems a little rushed and it seems like Fox just wanted to have two ladies kissing. It's a little weird. I love the headline from Entertainment Weekly. They called this a revolting nightmare masquerading as a heartwarming drama. And coming from a site like Entertainment Weekly, that is, that's pretty big. Because usually they're kind of like milk toast about stuff. They like, they like most things. They don't really give too poor reviews to too many things. But wow. I think Revolting Nightmare might have been a little much. Like I've definitely seen worse television than this. But it was not great. So that's definitely the stinker of the week. I would not recommend checking it out. Unless you're just like... I mean I saw that headline and that's what got me intrigued. So I had to watch it. But it's, uh, you know, go forth at your own risk. Then, quickly, I just want to welcome back It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, 14th season. My goodness. These people know how to write good comedy. They know how to keep bringing us stories that feel relevant. They don't, they've never really run out of steam. I mean, has every single episode in every single season been perfect? No way. Uh, And this premiere wasn't even perfect. But they are trying new things. They, um, you know, Mac has finally come out as gay. This was a lot of what happened in last season, actually, and that was kind of uh, coming off of the back of, the 12th season I think and then they really explored it in the 13th season and they haven't stopped exploring it like they're making it more nuanced they're following through on it it wasn't just something that they did for the sake of doing it I really appreciate that so that's cool um they did like a little play on romantic comedies with this uh, premiere and it wasn't as laugh out loud as I hoped it would be but it was still a great episode I'm looking so forward to the season the good place welcome back same thing I wasn't Super like blown away by the premiere, which is weird for me because I always find this show to be so impressive, like consistently impressive. I always think that it just is not going to have any more story to tell or it's not going to find another good pun. And then it always does. Right. But it was fine. You know, I guess I was hoping for more of a banger considering it's like the last premiere we're ever going to get from this show. This is the final season. But you know what? I think that there's a lot that they're building up to Oh my goodness, Eleanor and cheaty. That's all I will say because I do not want to spoil anything, but it's just my little heart. I don't know if it can take it all season. <sighs> okay, enough of the dramatics. The show I'm going to say give it a shot is The Politician on Netflix. It's another Ryan Murphy show. So I guess maybe if you're watching American Horror Story, maybe The Politician is kind of in your wheelhouse as well. Different genres, but still Ryan Murphy material. I've only seen the first episode, so it may crash and burn halfway through, although it's only eight episodes, you guys. I don't know if that was decided upon by Netflix or other people that were working on the project, but I saw that and I smiled and I said, Good for you, Ryan Murphy. Way to restrain yourself. Eight episodes? I feel like this has a chance to be a nice, tightly knit story that doesn't go off in a billion different weird directions for no reason. Uh, I really liked the first episode. I loved the characters. They're all quirky and weird and fun in their own ways. I like the storyline. You know, I was laughing because it also had flashbacks. You know, Ryan Murphy is gonna do Ryan Murphy with a flashback. But um, I think it's worth checking out as soon as I have more time. I'm gonna dive back into it. But this really is the the storm of television. We are in the storm of television now, and it's lovely, but it's it's wet, it's stormy, it's uh, it's windy. I don't know where that metaphor is going. Let's not worry so much about it and move on. And finally, my biggest recommendation of the week it's uh it's kind of old news now because it dropped I think back in July. But the final season of Orange is the New Black is really good. I think. Um, I wrote this show off back in its fourth or fifth season, just so you know, spoilers ahead, like big time. When Pusey Washington died, I basically said, you know, I used to write about the show. I used to cover it for Project Fandom. And at that point I said, this will be my last review. I'm not coming back to the show. I'm done. And it's because that death was done, you know, it was trying to shine a light on police brutality and that kind of injustice against people of color, inmates, uh, like prison inmates, women of color, black women specifically in that scenario. But it was done so cheaply, so tactlessly, so unthoughtfully it came off as shock for the sake of shock. It felt very empty. I wasn't sure, really, the point of it in the end, uh, or at least I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I get the point. I guess I should say, but I don't think that they nailed it. I don't think that it came across, and I think that it was a very dangerous line to walk. And I don't think that. The writers and creators on the show really thought about how that might impact communities that are actually impacted like that or, or because of this stuff in real life. And it just, like I said, it just felt so cheap and so empty and so just for the sake of propelling another plot line. And it was too bad because I think that Orange is the New Black has been able to shed light on really important issues and has been able to bring things to the forefront and be very culturally relevant in so many other ways. But that was just such a huge misstep for the show. And so I said, no thanks, I am done. I do not need to see that kind of pain on television because it is rampant throughout our world. And don't get me wrong, I love dark television. It is my favorite kind of thing. I love depressing, sad shit. That is my jam. But this was not for any purpose, or at least it just did not hit the mark with its purpose. Now, I heard so many good things about this final season that I thought, okay, maybe let me go back. And it it like, it wasn't just one or two people. It was reviews. It was podcasts that I listened to. It was kind of all around me. And I, I finally broke and I said, okay, fine, let me revisit it. I kind of skimmed through um some of it like I was I was definitely watching while I was doing other things. I wasn't super on board for the season that had just the riot. It was like whatever this was all off the back of poor Pusey and Tasty essentially, but it does have a huge impact in what comes next and I think it just took too long. I think that probably the season with the riot and then uh the second last season could have been sort of put together, but this final season, I think it's incredible. I think the stuff that they are touching on in this final season is actually, it's new ground for the show. It feels fresh. The stuff that they're doing with ICE and, uh, quote-unquote, illegal immigration and these detention centers that are essentially just prisons and what they are doing to these people uh, down in the United States, this show is really fucking giving it to them, and it's being done uh, the opposite way the Poussey thing was done. It's being done with a lot of care, a lot of thought, uh, really good writing, very honest, um, very in your face, but in the best way possible. I mean, it's, it's not pulling any punches. It is being uh, super authentic. And I just think that, what did this show have to lose? It's going out, right? I mean, it's already gotten the piss poor reviews a few years ago. It had the chance to tell this story and to make that impact in its final season. And I'm really glad that it did. Now, of course, I'm just a white woman uh, living in Canada. So I I don't, I can't speak to how real and how authentic this is. But based on the stories that I've been following down in the States, based on um, just, I mean, it's obviously second or third hand information, but it does feel very real. And what's more is that, the stuff that they're presenting with these characters, um, it feels authentic to their story and it feels in line with what we've known about these people throughout the seasons. And I feel very emotionally. Uh, Connected with it. Whereas with Poussé, I was upset because she died, but I didn't feel connected to the situation. There was nothing, there was no depth there. There's so much depth here. So I'm so glad that I went back to it. I'm so glad that I kept hearing from people that it really, really, really improved. I think if you've got time, um, you've got time. Anyway, um, if you've got the time, I think it's worth going back to watch maybe just like listen to podcasts about the past two seasons since Poussey died or like read some recaps or do what I did and watch it in the background of other stuff or like there was one day where I was hung over and I watched a bunch of it just to like get up to this point so that at least you're you know you're caught up and you know all of the the nuances and backstory and all that kind of stuff but this last season is really really worth it I've got about three episodes left and I'm at the point now where it's like I'm actually sad to see it go so well done Orange is the New Black. Definitely worth revisiting if you have the time. All right. Well, that is all I have to say about this week in TV. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know, um, sound off in the posts that I put up on social media for this. As always, it is at TV on Twitter and at Jasmine underscore Lila underscore on Instagram. I would love to hear what you've been watching, what you think of the shows that I brought up. Do you feel differently about one of these shows? You know, did you enjoy Almost Family? Do you think Orange is the New Black is still kind of a stinker? Are you further along in The Politician? Can you tell me if it's worth sticking with? Whatever you gotta say, let me know. Weigh in. And now, let's get to our main event, you guys. Let's go to my special guest and I talking about American Horror Story. (music) This week on the show is my very own fiance, the lovely Tyler Mastantuano. Welcome to the show, Tyler.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. You uh, you found the studio okay?
1: Yes, I'm excited to be here. Um, of course my my fan my fan base will be pleased to hear that I'm back on the show.
0: Absolutely, I'm yes. Gonna get
1: the little Mastantuano bump.
0: Of course, yeah. And I I suppose your fans will know you from last year. You were on a couple of episodes in season one of the Damn Fine TV podcast.
1: Yes, I was. Yeah, um, we had a good times. time
0: talking about series finales. We talked about uh, TV plot twists.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't think
0: you were on the year-end show, though, were you?
1: Wasn't invited.
0: Well, you were.
1: No, I there actually had to is. sit. It's an open
0: invitation.
1: Uh, I had to sit in the living room and watch you record all the episodes well, that and take photos. Well, that is true, so. but...
0: Yes, you did take some photos, for sure. But it's, work- a, it's an open invitation around here, Tyler. It kind
1: of worked as the page for you for that short period. when you
0: Ah, were doing those. Yes, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, you loved it.
1: It was demeaning, but it was rewarding.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah. It goes hand in hand. Exactly. That's nice. Yeah. So, Tyler, what have you been thinking about this season of American Horror Story so far? Uh, refresh my memory. Have you ever actually seen a full season of this show?
1: Seen many full seasons of this show.
0: Have you, or just like kind of in the background while I'm watching?
1: Uh, it's hard to say, but it's mostly full seasons.
0: Okay, well, debatable. But anyways, yeah. how are you feeling about this season?
1: I feel great about it. I think it's one of the best seasons so far that I've watched.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. High yeah. praise.
1: Yeah. Um. Love the year they chose. Yeah. Sure. Love the decade they chose. Sure. Um, and uh, it's it's so far been a really, um. Interesting and exciting take on a slasher uh, type of style of eighties movie um, in a TV series, which can be hard to do. Definitely, um, because obviously with slashers, you know the hour and a half, two hour time frame is kind of what makes it, you yeah. know, so able to keep you in in the yeah. uh, the yeah. excitement and the the mystery of it. Yeah, like how do you
0: sustain it for ten hours? Exactly. Which- you know, we just watched the Scream TV series, and as much as I enjoyed it, like, it was so bad that it's good. I think I've talked about it on one of the earlier shows, but it really, it just, it, it went beyond believability so often, because it's like, how long can you have a killer after you, and you still don't have police protection, you're still not getting the fuck out of there, like...
1: The FBI is not involved.
0: Right. Like, there's just so many red flags throughout the whole thing, yeah. so... Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how long they go with the slasher plot for this season.
1: Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy that they, um, like, kind of told you who the killer was. The killers were right up front, which in a lot of slashers, that's kind of the big twist at the end right, right.
0: oh I think we're getting, they're not doing that yeah exactly I mean I think that them telling us who well here's the thing we don't know if those are the killers like yes Richard Ramirez is the night stalker right but he he's a serial killer we don't know if Mr. Jingles did it I mean he he really could have been framed and as of the end of this episode I do not trust a single person on this show I think everyone is in on it there's my hot take there's mm-hmm. my big theory of the night. I literally think everyone has a part to play here.
1: My hot take: I think this is actually the 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 premise of this series is that this is the first murder con. The it's like a convention for con. serial murderers because it seems like they're all a Whoa. serial killer, and this is this is how it started. It's like a you know, uh, it's a documentary. That on what, is so dark. Yeah, creepy. Yeah, they're all killers.
0: Yeah, I definitely think there's twists on the way. I mean, we there has to be a twist. Not only does American Horror Story always have a twist, but I mean, I feel like horror part of the genre is built on the twist, right? And there's been a lot so, of twists. Oh yeah, like the the pacing. It's funny. Like we are still on the first night of camp, but the pacing has been like it's it's been like four hours, but so much has happened in that four hours. I'm loving the pacing. Yeah, and I. I I kind of was worried about that because, like, we're just talking about how long can you do a slasher thing for. But it seems like they're really just giving us so much to go on. And, of course, Ryan Murphy loves his flashbacks, so there's always going to be more story to tell from the past. But anyways, um, so you're liking this season. What did you think about this episode?
1: Great. I really liked this
0: episode.
1: (laughs) I thought it was great. (laughs) Sorry, Jasmine. As listeners, you may not know that she always polices my grammar. So,
0: mm, well, I am the grammar police. I can't help it.
1: Um, I thought that this episode was great, Jasmine. Back wow, to you.
0: That is superb, Tyler. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, I really liked it. Um, I think the um, the twists. I mean, there were two kind of bigger twists in this episode. Yeah. Um, didn't see them coming, but love them. Mm-hmm. And. The kills in this episode were great, and then the gore and all of that stuff yeah. was, um, like, fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, for the sake of sounding uh, like a psychopath, it was fun to see all those people die.
0: But it, it like, I mean, this is a fun show. Yeah. It's not, it, I mean... I actually think this was the the scariest episode so far of the season. It was the most, it had the most tension and suspense. Mm. And as we get into it, like that's part of, that was my, one of my things that I liked the most about the episode. Last week, I kind of talked about how I wasn't finding this season scary at all. Like it really wasn't making me feel on edge. But after I saw this week's episode, like went to take a shower, I was completely on edge. Mm. Definitely felt the tension. So I'm liking that
1: our our shower is in a dark unlit room so yeah that might have it's in a, it.
0: i mean it's in a, as i've said before listeners the bathroom is in the basement so it is a creepy place to be in general but anyways
1: um, um
0: so usually i just do a brief synopsis of the show and then we go over some highlights some not so great stuff and then i pick out my favorite song my favorite line of dialogue and the scariest moment but this week I'm actually going to go through the episode a little more closely. We're going to kind of go scene by scene. We won't say everything that happens, but I just thought that might be nicer to open up the dialogue between us. So I'll do the overview of the scene, and then you just hop in whenever you have something to say.
1: Always got something to say. I know that. Get started.
0: All right. So the episode picks up right where we left off. Uh, Richard, turns out Richard Ramirez is at the one door. He's at the nurse's cabin where we've got Brooke. Uh, quote unquote nurse rita uh chet and ray they're trying to figure out how to keep him out and then ray decides nope we just we gotta leave his true colors are kind of starting to shine through here because he's basically like i don't got to be faster than the killer i just got to be faster than the three of you so i'm getting the fuck out of here really backfires for him he gets stabbed like four or five times slashed yeah yeah, that's a better word for it for sure yeah And then Chet, who would have thunk it, is the nice guy that comes back for him. And so they all make it out.
1: The guy that's named after a cereal. Chet.
0: Chet. Isn't it Chex?
1: Yeah, but it sounds like a cereal. Like, I could imagine having Chet for breakfast.
0: Ooh, Ooh. you'd have Chet for breakfast. That's so Uh, sexy. Uh, yeah, so... It's sort of a taste for what's to come later in the episode with, uh, with Ray... And then, of course, at the other cabin where we've got Montana, Trevor, and Xavier it Mr. Jingles banging on the door. And everybody's crying. Well, I don't think Trevor's crying, but definitely Xavier and Montana are both crying. Montana's like, I could really use one of those lewds right now, which is... I mean, obviously, she's looking at Trevor, so I feel like she... Maybe Trevor offered her a Quaalude earlier, or they were talking about doing Quaaludes. I don't know. It's it's borderline problematic, but also still very in, like, the AHS funny zone. You know what I mean? Was
1: she looking at Trevor? Because I could see her looking at Xavier and talking well, about that, because like I could see them of, doing those drugs together oh, as, like,
0: a... yeah. Um, could be.
1: Just, like, a recreational thing.
0: I mean, either way... It's really that border. It's really walking the line.
1: Recreational Quaaludes is a great band name, by the way. If you're.
0: Oh, yeah. For weird white dudes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: For weird white dudes. If you're a weird white dude and you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. And you're in a band that needs a name.
0: ooh, maybe don't do it, though.
1: Yeah. Do it secretly. Secret. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, But, uh oh, it's a prank. And then a bag of poop comes flying through the wind. Did you know that that was going to be a bag of poop? It was so clear to me. And when Trevor, as soon as he went to stomp on it, I was like, oh God, oh God, this can't be good. Yeah, And yeah, so it's these local townspeople, of course, making one person's tragedy into their uh, yearly fun. Yeah, Yeah. it it really reminded me of Scream, how in the second and even the, I think second, third, and fourth movies, it's like, the yearly anniversary of everything. And people are dressing up in the ghost face masks. And like, it's a big kind of celebration for them. And it's fucked up because it's like people died. Like this was real.
1: Well, even in uh, the first scream, Uh, Like, shortly after the first couple murders, people run through the high school with the screen masks
0: on. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there was still something, because it had been a year since Sydney's mother died. So there was something there. But anyways, it was very reminiscent of that. Um, But then, you really shouldn't fuck around and pretend you're a serial killer, because here comes real Mr. Jingles, and those pranksters get got real quick.
1: Pranksters going to prank. Pranksters going to get got.
0: Yep. So yeah, that's what gonna I always kill. say. Slash going to slash.
1: Yeah, I have that on a keychain.
0: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: It's a big keychain. It's got a lot of words yeah,
0: on it. Yeah, it's it's very detailed. Yeah. You only bring it out sometimes. Exactly. It's just for show.
1: It's one of those uh, um, Starbucks bathroom keychains. Oh,
0: my God. <laughs> With a long piece of wood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, I want to talk about the ears for a second. So do we think that these are just tokens? Like... That is a thing that we have, that, I mean, I see it in films all the time. I'm not a huge, like, true crime buff, so I don't know if it's a real thing. Oh, yeah. But in in films, we always see, like, a serial killer, or we often see a serial killer take a token from the person that they've killed.
1: It's a nom thing.
0: It's a nom thing? Like, Vietnam.
1: Yeah, like, in the Vietnam War. Like,
0: ears specifically.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was not uncommon for... Um, soldiers to cut off ears of their... Oh. It was like a... Oh, Vietnam was a okay. weird, weird war. But I've heard... They're all weird. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't... I think it's a real thing, but this is something I've heard about Vietnam
0: okay. many so times. Okay, so maybe it's just in the popular culture and... Yeah, I mean, it yeah. could be. I just... I also wanted... Like, I just wanted to know if there was something underneath that, though. Like, why the ear? Why not the finger? Why... Not the tongue. Like, something, like, I wondered if there was, like, something like, you know, because he likes keys, so there's, like, an auditory thing with that. Is there something that links that to ears? I don't know. But also, I mean, I know you don't listen to my shows, Tyler. That's fine. I'll get oh, over it.
1: I listen to you plenty um, at the uh, oh, Okay, the house, yeah. So you
0: listen to me every day, so you don't have to listen to my shows. Okay. Um, but I do have a theory that Mr. Jingles was framed. I don't think he was the original Camp Redwood killer. And so if he, so now I'm thinking if it's a, if it's a Vietnam thing, if, if it, let's say Margaret framed him or whoever maybe framed him, did they do the ear thing to further implicate him then? Because maybe it would lead back to his past in that war. I don't know, I just, every time I see the ears, I mean to bring it up and have a a bigger conversation with it, but it's better Mm. to have with an an actual other person than just me screaming into the void, but I don't know. Any other thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, well, I'm looking it up right now, um, whether it was a thing, and I'm seeing a lot about the Tiger Force atrocities, so I think there was a uh, group of soldiers in Vietnam that, that did do this, and I think this is kind of referencing back to his... Was it soldiers
0: on, like was it US which soldiers? Which side US soldiers? Yes, fucking creeps.
1: Yeah, but weird.
0: But I also, also thought maybe it was a tribute to Daryl Dixon, although the walking dead, but different timelines. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but it, it's also not like a new thing for Vietnam for people to take you know human parts tr- as trophies. Like, wow. look, to-
0: that's what I was looking for, not tokens, trophies. Yeah, yeah. thank you.
1: Scalping. Is a, right just another example of that, right? Yeah. Ugh. Jasmine almost vomited right now. Okay.
0: Well, anyways, that was the cold open, and then we get the theme intro, and I have a tie for song this week because, honestly, the there was not as many funny cues or, like, you know, cool musical cuts or whatever. So I actually wanted to bring up something cool about the intro. I forgot to get the guy's name, but this intro, like the intro sequence, was actually, like, Ryan Murphy saw a fan cut. Like, somebody made a video that they thought would be good for the 1984 intro. Ryan Murphy was so impressed with it, he He, brought the guy in to actually work with the person that makes their intros. So I thought that was pretty cool. And, I mean, it's a great intro. It's not as, like, scary as it usually is. It doesn't have that weird, like, horror effect to it. Um... It's definitely a lot more eighties, which fits with the theme, so whatever. But I just thought that was cool. I it was pretty nice, but
1: Yeah, it's more uh what's the word? Like kitschy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it just has like, I don't know, it's more like uh it's not really synthy, is it? I was gonna say it's more Synthy than Yeah. yeah? It's like I don't know. It's more upbeat than the other seasons, really. Yeah. But anyways, um and then of course Chet and Ray fall into this big pit of spikes, which is also apparently a Vietnam thing. So I guess we're supposed to assume that Mr. Jingles set this up. But how? You know, maybe it was uh, who we later learn is Donna Chambers posing as Nurse Rita. Maybe it was something Margaret did. I mean, she reopened the camp. I don't know. I just don't feel like Mr. Jingles had time to make this pit.
1: No Margaret in this episode.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Where is she? Because she was just with Richard Ramirez. There's no way she's dead. It's Leslie Grossman. She's not going anywhere.
1: I mean, it kind of seemed like she was ready to just give it all to Chris Angel there. So maybe, yeah, maybe that left her hot and bothered and she just had to take care of business.
0: I don't know that she was, though. I think she was manipulating him. I think she was the mastermind in that conversation. She was definitely the alpha there.
1: Yeah, but I think she also... She likes magic, let's just say.
0: Okay. She's a mind freak, huh? She's a mind freak for sure. Yeah. And then we see, and this is another point towards Mr. Jingles not actually being the killer. Because when he meets the other impersonator, like the other prankster, and he just talks about like, I just feel like I'm a, not I'm better. What does he say? Like, I am Mr. Jingles when I put on the mask. And then he like takes a puff from his like asthma puffer and Mr. Jingles spares him. So to me, it's like there's no, there's only ill will when it comes to having an agenda. There was nothing against, like the other guys were kind of being shitty, I don't know, dickheads about the whole thing. But this guy was like kind of a down and out, like quote unquote loser, Mm -hmm. right? And I feel like there was a reason that he was spared. I feel like Mr. Jingle saw some of himself.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of himself because they're dressed the well, same. Well, the
0: mask, sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, that makes sense.
0: Uh, anyways, then we see, so of course, Chet and Ray have fallen into the the pit of stakes. Brooke and Rita make it to the parking lot. Brooke wants to drive a bit ahead to go get help, and Rita's like, why are you going to ditch your friends? They wouldn't do that to you. And then she's like, no, 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 you're right, you're right, go ahead. I'll, I'll tell them you went for help, but oh, twist, there's a needle in your neck.
1: So mm-hmm. then we
0: get flashback. The first flashback of the episode. Mm -hmm. But uh, we learned that Rita is actually Donna Chambers. Chambers is a character. She was also, uh, it was Marion Chambers was a nurse in the Halloween films. So nice little nod there with the last name. Mm. And um, she, I guess, talks to serial, she's working on her PhD, I think, or she has her PhD or she's doing some kind of research. She talks to serial killers and gets them to admit things that they haven't to anybody else. She's this...
1: That's what sh- she says.
0: Sure. But I do I do kind of believe her because we see that she gets Mr. Jingles to talk, so...
1: I don't believe anything.
0: Well, I think that's a fair stance to take, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, she says that she got uh, confessions or at least more of a conversation with people like John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy, and so they let her go and have this sort of parlay with Mr. Jingles... And he does. He talks and he says, you know, it's probably the high fructose corn syrup. It's in everything these days. That's, that's what's making me kill. I just get so hopped up. But she also brings up the point that it is the exposure to pornography and war, basically, that has turned men into serial killers. Mm-hmm. Thoughts?
1: Wouldn't know. Never seen a pornography film Never in my no life. More. So, And yeah. I, I haven't killed anyone. Right. That anyone knows of.
0: Oh, no.
1: really! Um, one of my big thoughts here is what is up with her her outfit? Oh,
0: the, I loved it.
1: Oh, I thought it was awful. Oh my god, it's I loved it so much. A mixture of tweed and flannel.
0: It was so pretty.
1: Oh god, I don't
0: know. I was so into it, especially the glasses. That color blue on her skin tone was beautiful. I thought she looked dope.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I get it. It's very eighties, but like,
0: yeah. Oh. Well, I thought it looked great. Honestly, that the whole time I was thinking, man, this—if I did a best dressed category, it would have been this outfit for sure. I thought it was great. Um, I it don't know. It's, like, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, it's she definitely knows how to talk to these people. She knows how to appeal to them. She knows the right things to say, and. This is the beginning of what I liked most about this episode because point one for this episode is all the twists. I love it. You get a twist, you get a twist, you all get a twist, as Oprah might say. Sure. But I love the fact that I just didn't see these coming, and I really think that the show played it smart because there was really no indication that it was going to be uh, not Rita, is what I'm going to call her, and then later on, Montana, right? But – I was so busy looking at Margaret. I was so busy looking at even uh, Brooke because she was like too pure or whatever. I was even thinking maybe Xavier did something because he kind of walked away from that guy that made him be in the porn film and then all of a sudden came back and the guy's dead. I don't know. Like I feel like the only person that might not have anything to do with anything is Trevor because he is too concerned with his large penis. And that's fine. He's got a lot to deal with.
1: Trevor is definitely gonna kill someone with his penis.
0: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> point two. that whole conversation with Mr. Jingles in the um, in the hospital. to me it came that was one thing I will take away from this episode. It came too easy. huh? Like he just started talking to her like almost instantly, and they built it up so much to be like, he hasn't talked to anyone in 14 years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's supposed to be the point is that, like, nobody ever took his side or nobody ever tried to see it from a different point of view. And she was the first one to do it.
1: I See, I find that hard to believe. He's been there for 14 years and not yeah. one single doctor has tried to approach him as an ally. No you're right I feel like at
0: least one doctor must have tried that approach She does it
1: It's like immediate
0: I do Yeah I mean I have no I have no counter criticism for that I agree I just It just didn't bother me that much Because I think I was too happy with the twist to really care about any of that Kind of like more nuanced kind of stuff But Yeah I just I'll talk about it more at the very end of the episode But I Yeah I just really like the fact that I mean I guess we can talk about you know last in last week's episode not Rita was in the nurse's cabin and somebody obviously attacked her maybe it was Richard Ramirez and maybe that's why it took her off guard because in that instance I think that that's when a show plays a little too fast and loose with you and it's like well why put her in that position if she's actually in on it like she's not in front of other people. You know, when she's with the rest of the crew and acting scared and stuff, that I get, right? You have to put on that facade. But when it's just the audience and her... So I'm really hoping that was actually just Richard Ramirez that kind of attacked her.
1: Well, it definitely was.
0: I hope so, yeah. Because otherwise, got, it's again, you know...
1: she got slashed at, not stabbed.
0: Good point. And you know what? It'd be worth going back to watch to see if we hear the jingle of the keys. Because I feel like they have made that distinction... When Ramirez shows up, there is no jingle. When jingle shows up, of course there's the jingle, right?
1: Should Mr. Jingles have his own jingle?
0: That's an that's an interesting question. What would it be?
1: Audience. Tweet in your Some, responses. Somebody make
0: us a jingle. Make
1: it make a jingle for Mr. Jingles.
0: A jingle for jingles. Yeah. Anyway, she's talking all this stuff about like you want to be the last serial killer, and he's like, Oh, it's a redemption arc. And I don't know. Maybe now this is playing too much into the idea that It wasn't really him back in the day. But then again, when he sees Margaret's photo in the paper, he doesn't say like, why does he want to stab her specifically, but can also say, I don't want to go back because I will just kill. So there's that, there's an awareness there that he will kill and he knows enough to say, I can't go back because I will kill. But he still does want to kill Margaret. Now, Margaret was, like, the star witness in the case, right? So he obviously knows who she is. And if she framed him or if somebody else framed him and she was the one propping up the story, then sure, you'd want revenge, right? Stabbing's a little extra, but he was in the war. I don't know. He's fucked up. Not to say that everybody from the war is fucked up. But you know what I mean? Like, I just—but now with all this attention, with him even saying the words, oh, a redemption story— or a redemption, whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like so maybe that's not where they're going. Maybe Mr. Jingles did kill some people. I don't know. What do you think? What's your stance on this? Do you think Mr. Jingles was the original Camp Redwood killer?
1: We're getting into theories now.
0: Well, just on this part. What do you just give me your take on Mr.
1: Jingles? Um I mean Mr. Jingles is definitely a murderer. He we've seen him stab and maim. A number of people. Was he a murderer before? I think so.
0: Well, yeah, he's definitely murdered people, like in in nineteen eighty four.
1: Yeah, but is, is it
0: part of is it part of Rita's plan, or is it part of not Rita's plan?
1: I don't know, but I I think either way, like the Virgin Mary lady, the lady with the Margaret, glasses, yeah, Margaret is definitely involved in the first murders in a way that. Uh, is not what has been described thus far. I think there's I definitely a, a plot twist coming with that, but I do think that uh jingle jangle was was at least part of the murder. And and what's really interesting is if if you think back to the very very beginning, yeah. uh what happened right before the murder started happening?
0: Well, it was sex, yeah.
1: It was a threesome. Yeah. Right.
0: Which I've said in previous episodes. Again, if you would, you know, listen to my material, you might know. It was either in last week's episode or the week before. I mean, seeing her camp counselors about to engage in a threesome might be the kind of thing that really set uh, the Virgin Margaret off. Mm hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So Obviously, it's not Rita that helps. Uh, well, that gives Mr. Jingles the idea of how to bust out. And then we get the story of real Rita, and she's just like she's on her way to Camp Redwood. She makes a stop. Then Rita kind of gets in her car, or not Rita gets in her car, ambush kind of thing. But as Rita is driving, we get the song "Man Eater" from Hall and Oates. And I would say that that is the winner for best song or best use of music this week because, I mean, it just really fits with what's going on. It's really the best cue.
1: Was there any other, like, 80s songs even in the episode?
0: I think there was one or two others.
1: That was definitely the best the best one as well. I would yeah, agree with that. Yeah, there
0: wasn't a lot this week. Like, there was definitely more score than soundtrack, right? Like, there was mm-hmm. more background stuff, creepy music, all that kind, but... Yeah, Yeah. so that's definitely a winner for that, especially, like, how smiley and, like, upbeat and excited Rita it real Rita is, and then yeah. all of a sudden she sees not Rita. So at this point, we don't know what's happened to real Rita.
1: Um, question. Sure. Is it factual that in the 80s, all nurses only exclusively wore antimaniacs nurse costumes? Yes. Yes. That and is then, a thing and that as happened. as soon
0: as they got into work, you'd go, hello, nurse. And that's yeah. how they clocked in.
1: But not uh, Ray-Ban. Ray. Raymond? Ray. Uh... Ray. Frat boy. Because he's a yeah. nurse.
0: No, he's an orderly. Is there a difference? Orderlies, write right in. Let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag.
1: Hello, nurse.
0: Yeah. Hashtag hello, nurse. Okay, speaking of Ray, then we get his backstory, and this is my problem with the episode.
1: Well, from the pit. Yeah, he falls so in, they fall into in they fall into the
0: pit. pit. Uh, he doesn't want to get Chet off of the spike. Off, like I mean, I said right away, don't do that. He's gonna bleed out. Like there's no way he doesn't bleed out from that. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be so funny when he survives the night and he's still got this like gaping wound in him. Yeah, but anyways. Um, and then, so Ray thinks he's passed out, so he feels kind of free to tell this, like, pretty awful story from his past. I mean, it's basically a frat night gone wrong, which makes me wonder why frats still fucking exist. Like, this shit is insane. It's not like this was only happening in the 80s. This shit is still happening. It's not
1: a good party unless someone dies and then comes back to life and then dies.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's your idea of a Friday, hey? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, whatever
1: can't wait for your birthday party
0: oh my god and it's an 80s theme but yeah so right so the guy kind of dies i mean he falls down the stairs he's also heavily intoxicated ray decides he's gonna cover it up he puts him in a car to just drive him off a cliff or some shit but then the guy wakes up but then he can't get him out of the car so then he dies anyway i mean it's it's kind of a ridiculous story i don't mind the story so much what bothers me is like why here, why now? What was the point of this backstory? It really reminded me of the way that The Walking Dead will often like shoehorn in a random character's backstory in the same episode that they get killed off in so that we care about that character more, or at least that's their aim is to get us to care about the character more. But in this, which by the way, never really works, but in this situation, it just like made me hate Ray which sucked because I was really enjoying this character. I mean, I guess that was always in his past, so what am I to do? But it's like, I just don't get why now. Like, why are we supposed to hate him so we feel less when he's dead? Are we just, I just, I just don't see the point of it. I think it was, I think it was just so silly. It felt, it felt forced in there. And it really kind of took me out of the episode, honestly. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I guess I don't, I didn't really mind it, um...
0: Well, but a it, man, it also so. shows
1: um, it shows how cowardly is.
0: Well, for but sure. But one I think thing we were it getting also shows. of that before, like I don't even think that yeah. we needed that to underscore. I mean, there's the stuff at the beginning, there's and then there's the stuff the later. Yeah, jumping out of the pit, and then there's, there's, there's the stuff with Montana. I don't think that we needed that.
1: Right. But I mean, maybe it also if it shows had that changed he changed
0: him in a different way. Yeah, but he's yeah. still a dick and a coward. So
1: it also shows that he has no idea how to check a pulse.
0: Fair. He and can't he's an t- orderly.
1: Yeah. And he's a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> so he checks the pulse of the guy in the pit.
0: Well, hang on. We do not know if there's a difference between nurse and orderly. We are waiting on our hashtag hello nurse. Okay? Yeah. Let's not misspeak.
1: Hashtag orderly in the court.
0: Oh. Uh,
1: he can't check the pulse on Chet. He can't check the pulse on the um, the frat pledge. And, uh, I mean, now it's going to be hard to check his own pulse. Well, with his neck being gone? Ooh,
0: not going to happen. I do have a question for you, though, since you are a man. What the fuck is a trunk to tail? What do you mean? What were they doing? Elephant
1: parade. All those
0: mens they were doing what?
1: Elephant parade.
0: What does that mean? Spell it out in graphic detail. They were holding each other's penises?
1: Yeah, and then you just march around. Okay, so you know how in a circus, elephants are trained to, like, grab the tail of the elephant in front of them? And then they walk together? In in the movie Dumbo and stuff.
0: My jaw is a gape.
1: Yeah. She is so turned on right now. It is <laughs> unbelievable. No. Yeah.
0: That is so fucking weird.
1: Oh. Like frat people do weird, weird shit. There is worse. There's, there's some, way worse than that.
0: Like if, if a bunch of dudes were doing that for, like, a fun night and they were, like, consensual doing that, I don't care. But you know there's some weird, like, uh, homophobia going on there in that frat. Like, there's just some weird reason yeah. that they want to watch these guys touch each other's dicks and march around. Power. Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. That's
0: assault.
1: Oh, yeah. Ugh. Am I, uh,
0: oh, my God, that is so fucked up.
1: Yeah, there's there's worse stuff.
0: Okay, let's move on. Before I fucking barf.
1: I don't know if that's... I mean, I'm sure it has actually happened. N- none of, like, my life experience has come anywhere near as horrifying as any of those things. But, yeah, it's um, its gross.
0: Okay, let's move past that before I bomb. So, after we get that useless backstory, uh, Ray is, like... I'm getting the fuck out of here again. So he ditches Chet. He gets out of the hole or out of the pit. And then we're back to Xavier, Trevor, and Montana. And I, they are was that?
1: Quick question about the pit. Yeah. Why did no one think, oh, instead of just ripping this guy off the spike, why don't we just break the spike off and he could just wander that's around what with the I spike? I was thinking the too. whole time. That's yeah. what I was like, how like how deep are those spikes buried that you can't just pull one up?
0: That's true.
1: You know or what I mean? Or even
0: like, even if you could get maybe another spike up and then maybe somehow, I guess trying to cut didn't it would Ray, probably hurt his wound though. I don't know.
1: But didn't Ray just grab a spike and just start digging a hole so he could get out? Did he really? Yeah.
0: I thought he was just using his hands. I don't know.
1: No, he took something and he hit the hit oh the wall God, of it so to funny. like get a f- uh, So one of them
0: so loose, but then the one that Chet's on is like way in there. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyways.
0: All right, anyways, um, so we're back to Xavier, Trevor, Montana. They are still in the process of trying to get the fuck out of there. And, um, and then they have this conversation. And, like, this makes me suspect Xavier now. I mean, I just suspect everybody at this point. But he's like, I already got one person killed. If I can save another person, like, I have to at least try. And so they're saying that they're going to go and save Margaret. They're going to go and save Birdie. Montana's like, who the fuck is Birdie? <laughs>
1: And that's Um, a good point. Where's Birdie been this whole time?
0: Well, I just think that she doesn't have... She's not getting uh, top billing to be in as many episodes. Like, she's probably only contractually obligated to appear in so many episodes. I don't think... I don't know. To me, that doesn't seem uh, that out of the ordinary.
1: Or she's the murderer.
0: Mm, I don't know. I just don't think so. Anyways, then there's this scene in the boathouse, because they obviously hear jingles coming. This is my pick for scariest moment. This was the most... Tense, suspension-filled couple of moments for me. Like, they get into the boathouse. All of a sudden, they find a body on the ground, and it's real Rita. And then you just know that she's going to be freaked out, like, no matter what, right? Because she's already been through it. She's been bound and gagged in a fucking boathouse. And then all Xavier's trying to do is save her and tell her to shut the fuck up, like, so that they can all save themselves. And at that point, you're like... Listen, Rita, if you run out there, if you get killed, that's your fault. Like, you know, sorry to say, but there, it's just like it was so good at building the tension because you just know certain things are going to happen and there's probably nothing you can do about it. So the tension keeps building and building and like, it, yeah, that was my pick for scariest moment. Also like very cool kill, very cool kill. The like, um, the sort of severed cabin, um, severed canoe paddle, like right through her face. Oh my God.
1: I thought you very, were gonna say boat good. stick for a second. Boat the way you stick. were struggling yes. to come a up good with the boat word. Stick. Uh, I'm disappointed they didn't show the actual uh kill.
0: They did cut away, yeah. yeah. I wonder if it's I wonder if it's one of those things where you can only show so much. Cause I know certain networks have that.
1: There's a very uh, the canoe paddle, um the canoe paddle companies have their uh their hands in the uh
0: Oh, yeah, they're all tied up in this. Yeah, they don't the, want to be known. for The lobbyists, murder. the yeah. canoe
1: paddle lobbyists. Yeah, are really, this, uh, this is a
0: really bad look for canoe paddles. Yeah, for boat sticks. Yeah, ah, uh, we don't want our boat sticks uh, implicated in murder, see?
1: Yeah,
0: say eh, our boat sticks. So, anyways, I don't know. I love that. I love that moment. I thought it was super tense, super scary. Great kill. Goodbye, Rita. Rest in peace. We hardly knew ye. Then we're back to uh, goodbye,
1: nurse. <laughs>
0: Okay, then we're back to Montana and crew. Ray catches up with them and lies, says that him and Chet got separated. So Trevor is going to give his bike to Ray and Montana to drive up to, like, the little phone that's not too far so that they can call the cops. And this is where the best line of dialogue comes in because Trevor says, Hey, hey. I guess a fickle
1: mistress.
0: And that is a great line of dialogue. And Trevor, I think, actually got the best dialogue last week, too. So way to go, Trevor. You're uh, two for three. Go Bert. Oh, you're calling him Bert Reynolds? Yeah? Yeah,
1: of course. Okay,
0: fair. Yeah, so they're going to go on the bike to call the cops. And then, actually, this was kind of a tie for best line of dialogue because Xavier and Trevor stumble upon Chet, who is still in the pit. And Xavier's like what the hell are you doing down there, man? As if he's got like a fucking choice. And Chet's just like, I'm dying. What does it look like? So that was a tie. But out of context, it doesn't work as well. Out of context, the comments about the bike still really works, right? So that still wins. But anyways, then here's where I start to believe Xavier again, that he is trying to do the right thing because he jumps straight down into the pit, no hesitation. He gets right in there. He does that cool move as he lands, like he's got his... Arm out and he like is right up against the side of the thing. It's very cool. It's very like 1980s music video.
1: The entire time, all I could think is one of these guys is getting spiked.
0: Mm.
1: Like I thought when he jumped in, he was just gonna like fall onto spikes.
0: Fall? Yeah, I know. And
1: then when he pulled him up, I thought he was gonna fall backwards on oh, the spikes. Oh
0: yeah. Ooh, that's good tension then. That
1: was actually the one of the more tense moments for me because I was like, oh. one of these guys is getting spiked yeah, for sure. Fair or best. That for Reynolds pushed. was gonna get pushed in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's another good line of dialogue when he goes, uh,
0: Oh, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to okay, it. I'm okay, to okay, it. okay.
1: You get to it. But
0: then, so Xavier does save Chet. That is such a gross, gross moment. And then, yeah, they go and they pump, they prop him up against the tree and they see Jingles. He's standing over the pit. And Trevor says,
1: What's well, his knife? versus my guns and then he slaps his arms.
0: Yeah, it's a good moment. And it's then a- he goes for it and he pushes the guy in and they're all fucking stoked. Him and Xavier are so pleased with themselves and even Chet walks over to take a look. Then they see the mask. Whoops. Mm-mm, yeah, you killed Stop. that poor little loser, Mr. Jingle the yeah. fake Mr. Jingles.
1: Mr. uh Mr. Bent
0: Urethra. Of course. Then Ray and Montana make it to the parking lot. Montana sees some lines in the gravel, like maybe somebody's been pulled away. She's investigating. All of a sudden, here comes Richard Ramirez. And Ray, once again, showing those true colors, hops on the bike and gets the fuck out of there. And Montana is a good actress in this moment because, like, she's a fucking coward. And she's Mm -hmm. playing along. She's playing along real nice. And and as Ray's driving away, he's like... S- suck my nuts or something camp redwood or like i don't know something like that see you in another yeah. life which maybe he will cuz ghosts we'll get to that in the theories but anyways then he gets decapitated which is definitely the coolest kill of the episode that was fucking awesome
1: it was a very cool kill yeah. i question the viability of it
0: of him still being on the bike cuz i feel like the motion the momentum would have taken his body for a little bit like i don't i feel like It didn't go that far down the road.
1: Well, that's like, yeah, he would have been swung right off the bike, first of all. Secondly, like, you think about the size of someone's neck versus the size of an axe handle. It would have to be like a perfect swing to actually cut the neck right across.
0: Mr. Jingles has precision, I guess. Does he? Or Margaret Booth has precision. We don't know.
1: You think it's Margaret in a Mr. Jingles outfit? Maybe,
0: maybe, we don't know. Somebody has the precision to do that kill. Either way, I don't care because... It
1: was a cool It's kill. like
0: the guys over at Bald Moves say. It's the rule of cool. If it looks that fucking cool, I don't care how real it is. It yeah. was really well done. Yeah. So then we go back to Montana. You think she's going to get got by Ramirez. And then she starts kissing him. And at first I was like, yes, girl, use yourself. Like, do that. Like, kiss him. Distract him with your body so you can get away. But... I'm clearly the fool. Because then she says, why haven't you killed her yet? Boom, end of episode.
1: Turns out she was the mind freak all along. She's
0: the mind freak.
1: So what do you... Yeah, so Um, theories. So again,
0: like just going back to what I was talking about before, this is obviously tying in with the twists that I loved about the episode so much. I was not ever for a second thinking that Montana would be in on something. I just thought she was this fun, lovable, aerobics-loving woman. Um... I've seen these theories like I just saw some tweets today that were like, oh, she's um, she's giving up Brooke as a virgin sacrifice to Satan so that she can win like an aerobics championship or something (laughs) like it's something so innocent, but also so ridiculous.
1: That's funny.
0: So I I don't know. I love this. I love this twist. Now, I do think she's talking about Brooke because why haven't you killed her yet? does imply that there have been chances to kill this person. I guess there's a... Definitely Brooke. I guess there's a possibility she could be talking about Margaret if they want to throw in another twist, another kind of wrench in the plan. But... So why does she want Brooke dead?
1: Uh, I mean, that's not a terrible theory, what you were just saying. about The,
0: the virgin sacrifice thing? Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I think it's definitely Brooke because... She also, when you think back now, knowing what you know, she's the one that really pushes for Brooke to come to the camp with them.
0: Yeah, I mean, before, so does Xavier. I've, I feel like it's both of them. Oh. Dun, dun,
1: dun. But aren't Xavier and Brooke, like, who's the one that she has the hots for? Is it Xavier?
0: No. Ch- well, she kind of had the hots for Chet, but I think she thinks she's he's a dick now.
1: Right. Which... Yeah. I mean, he is.
0: So, do we think Montana like knew Brooks' fiance or the best man in the wedding? Like, do we think there's some kind of connection there, maybe? And she's taking she's looking for some kind of revenge.
1: No, I mean
0: the other thing is, what if what if? Okay, remember Montana went to quote unquote fat camp. Was there a fat camp section at Redwood that she maybe went to? But then if it was seventy. How old is Montana now? Yeah, she could like the years kind of line up. What if she was a camper, and I don't know, she saw Margaret doing all these murders, and now she's back for revenge with Richard Ramirez, something like that.
1: I mean, I think she
0: like my first instinct is 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 to say that it's Brooke.
1: It's Brooke. In my in my mind, is for sure Brooke. I mean, I might be surprised, but I know. But my instincts um, have
0: been way off this season so far mm. because I literally trust nobody at this point. Yeah. I feel like everyone is in on it somehow.
1: But you trust the uh, the cook?
0: Yeah, I do. I like Birdie. It's like Trevor said; she's good people.
1: Maybe she is uh, the daughter of her the you know the husband that killed himself or whatever, or the fiance that killed himself. The secretly. daughter? How? Sorry, not the daughter. The um, the sister. Sister.
0: Yeah. Or yeah. yeah, or friend, or I don't know. Something, some kind of connection there.
1: But, I mean, the aerobics thing, that also makes just as much sense. The silliness
0: of that kind of fits in with AHS Wheelhouse. I don't know.
1: Um, is she- I have to
0: stop us for just one second. Yeah. I usually talk about the writer and the director of the episode right up top, and I totally forgot to do that. So let me just really quickly do that. The episode was written by Mary Wigmore, which finally, finally we've got a woman on either the directing or the writing side. It's been all men up until now. She has directed episodes. She hasn't really done that much, though, but... I don't know. The episode looked good to me. Uh, She's also done Scream Queens 911. So she's obviously worked with Ryan Murphy in the past. And she's done a couple music videos, like Coldplay music videos. Whatever. Welcome, Mary. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a woman doing something on the show. I did say she directed it, right? Anyway, she directed it. And then the, sh- the episode was written by James Wong, who was also a producer of the show. And he, he, back in the day, wrote for 21 Jump Street, the TV show, like in 89 and 90. And he also wrote some episodes of The X-Files. He's done a lot of work for American Horror Story. So, you know, another one of the Murphy gang. Okay, sorry about that pivot, but I always got to mention my behind-the-scenes peeps. So now let's talk about some more theories, I think. Right up top, I want to pull out my Sarah Paulson theories, because we know we're getting a Sarah Paulson appearance at some point during this season. Do we? Oh, we know. She's under the guest uh, guest star list, so we know she's coming at some point. I have a feeling she's going to be playing one of her other American Horror Story characters. Option one, Lana Winters. She comes in to interview everybody. She's doing the big story. She comes in like the morning after or the next day or whatever and she's got the big scoop. She's the journalist on the scene. Option number two, she's Billy Dean Howard and she is playing medium to all of these ghosts that are now on the Camp Redwood property because I have a feeling we're going to see Ray again. I have a feeling we're going to see real Rita again. Who else has died on the property?
1: all the campers from back in the day? Campers
0: from back in the day maybe. I don't know how far Dr. Hopple was cuz she was in the car driving away. So maybe she got too far. I'm not sure.
1: Mm.
0: But um maybe Billy Dean Howard's going to come the, in and act as a go between.
1: The camper got killed on the road, the actual ghost. The
0: counselor you mean. The yeah, counselor. but I think that he was on like the camp road that's super close. Right? Oh, and I, Ray, I, Ray didn't really get that far. He was right at the sign that says Camp Redwood.
1: No, because remember when they found him? it was They hadn't reached the Camp Redwood.
0: That's true. He was That's far true. away. That's true. And Margaret did make that weird comment, like, I bet you would have stayed there, but the counselors brought you here. So yeah. now you're here. But I'm still also not convinced that it's just straight up ghost. I think there might be some timey-wimey shit going on, some weird time travel Sorry. or time stuff.
1: Roll that back a second. Sure.
0: You're... Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: What did you just say? Timey-wimey?
0: There might be some weird timey-wimey stuff going on.
1: Timey-wimey. Can you spell why for me?
0: Uh, W-I-M-E-Y. why uh, me.
1: I would have went with W-H-Y.
0: No, wait. What did But I say W-I-M-E-Y. why me? It's just like time, but why'm. why me.
1: why me?
0: Oh. Uh, no, it's not like timey-wimey. It's just timey-wimey. Mm. Anyways, I think there might be some weird time travel, time loop kind of thing going on. It might not just be ghosts. But anyways, if it is ghosts, then yeah, we're definitely going to see a couple of those people come back. Anyways, those are my Paulson theories because I'm always on Paulson Watch. Can't wait for Sarah Paulson to come back. Okay, another thing I wanted to bring up. Xavier did a porn. He was quote-unquote gay for pay in a porn, right? There's been all of this talk about pornography, first with Margaret, because we know that she likes to be pure, pure, pure or whatever. She was talking about, uh, you know, she was in the uh, the fight against Larry Flint, who was the creator of, like, Hustler or something, or one of those, Penthouse maybe. Then we got Donna talking about how all of this access to pornography and of course the stuff with the war has made men more inclined to be killers what's the connection here what are we getting at what, do, what are we build? what is this case about pornography that the show is building because I'm not really seeing the threads yet well I'm seeing the threads but I'm not seeing where they're sort of connecting
1: um and Xavier the one who was originally supposed to be the counselor
0: they're or, all counselors
1: no they're all counselors now but remember he was trying to convince them to come
0: Yes, he was the first one. He was leading yeah. the aerobics class.
1: Exactly. I so, love
0: that you know these characters.
1: Right. You have so,
0: a real handle on this.
1: Uh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I've been studying it. So, um, going back to what I was saying before, he's the one that originally got um, invited to be a count- got the job as a counselor. Yes. Do you think it's because he was in porn? Do you think it could have tied back to that?
0: Well, I do know that when I was a camp counselor many moons ago, it, it was because of my background in pornography that I was given the gig.
1: No, but oh, Margaret. What? Margaret has this thing against porn.
0: hmm Oh. So do you. Oh, now the, the, yeah. now the
1: threads are coming together Ugh. for you after you so, mocked me.
0: So she somehow saw that.
1: She summoned him. Right. To kill him. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Could be. That is a theory for sure.
1: But I think it's going to end up being a fight between heaven and hell type of deal. Oh, interesting. Because that was kind of last
0: season, the apocalypse.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of devil, Satan, Satan, Satan. And then there's a lot of the Christian.
0: Very true. Well, we're definitely getting a Freddy versus Jason type thing. We're definitely getting a Richard Ramirez versus Jingles. I don't know how that couldn't happen. All right, yeah. and so what um have you got any other theories, any other points from the episode I didn't touch on, anything you feel we need to do before we wrap up?
1: My theory is that they're all murderers and this is going to end up being like the intro to Murdercon 30 will be this like re- renaissance like this video.
0: This- is Murdercon a real thing?
1: I don't know. I don't know. It could be. Is jingles a real thing? They're all my point is they're all killers. Right. They're all murderers. I I don't trust a single one of them. There's
0: precedent for that. It's like I've said I don't trust them. You just said you don't trust anybody. It feels like everybody has an ulterior motive for going to Redwood. And even as I say that, I'm like, yeah, but what's Brooks? What's Xavier's? And it's like, well, we didn't really think... I mean, even Ray had an ulterior motive. It wasn't really to kill people, but it was to get the fuck out of Dodge so that he wasn't caught for this murder. Yeah. So everybody kind of has a reason.
1: In slasher movies, there is always the final girl. Yes. Is that going to be Brooke, do you think? Or is that too obvious?
0: Well, that's what I would have thought. I mean, she's playing the stereotypical final girl.
1: Okay. So do you think it's going to be the case? Or do you think she's going to get got?
0: I don't know. I really don't.
1: I've got my theory. On I who it kind is. of
0: have a feeling that it is going to be like the rug's going to get pulled out from under us and it's going to turn out to be something completely different than what this
1: is. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: think Birdie's going to be the final girl.
0: Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. I really want Birdie to be the final girl. Yeah. I would also be cool if Sarah Paulson was the final girl, but I feel like that's not going to happen. I really want Paulson to have a bigger role than is possible.
1: I think we just can just cut out the rest of that and you can just end it with, I, I really want Paulson.
0: I do. I really want Paulson.
1: Yeah. If you're listening, Sarah.
0: All right. Well, so nothing else. No other theories. You just think it's everybody. I think Birdie's going to be the final girl. I like that theory. I like that a lot. That's my number one theory. That's like number one on the list for me now.
1: Yeah, Birdie's the final final girl. girl. Yeah, yeah, I think Birdie's gonna be the final girl. I, Margaret's definitely like evil, a killer. I know, but is that
0: is that too obvious now? I don't know.
1: No, it's not.
0: All right. Well, maybe we can find an episode for you to come back. Maybe more towards the end of the season or something, and we can get together and see how far our theories have panned out.
1: Yeah, we'll see if the paycheck for this episode uh, clears, and then we'll talk about it. Sure, back sure, sure, episodes, sure, sure. You know? Yeah,
0: definitely, definitely. Okay, well, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening.
1: Thank you, everybody.
0: As always, you can find me on Twitter at Damn Fine TV. You can find me on Instagram at jasmine underscore lila underscore that's j-a-s-m-i-n underscore l-i-l-a underscore on instagram and until next week avoid that high fructose corn syrup watch out for spike pits and boat sticks and do not trust anyone anyone and if you're watching tv make sure it's damn fine tv